0: Welcome back to the podcast. This is season three, episode eight, and I'm your host Gabby V. The Clever Hybrids podcast is for bilingual professionals all over the world to help us learn from their tips, tricks, and struggles. Today we have a Romanian expat who's living in the Netherlands, Stefana Sotko. So I really look forward to talking to her today. Hey Stefana, how you doing?
1: Hi Gabby. nice to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm really well.
0: <laughs> How are you? I'm really excited, even in our <laughs> chat before the interview. We have a lot in common, but then am like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really
1: nice. I'm really nervous, to be honest, as I told you.
0: No, You'll be fine. I've been following you, Stefana, I think now on LinkedIn for almost two years. I think my dad found you oh. first. And then show me one of your posts.
1: (laughs) Oh wow, that's so nice. Oh my god, I love this. Really?
0: Yeah, before I came to Germany, I I was looking at your post to give me some courage. I'm like, if she can do it, then I can do it too. (laughs) Oh
1: my god, that's so cute. You didn't tell me this. I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well you are helping me and hopefully we can get some of your tips for others who are Trying to go through that expat journey right now, too.
1: Yeah, I really hope that, too. I've been trying to do that for a while, actually, to just put it out there whenever uh, it comes to me. I've received feedback from many expats all around the world that my posts give them courage, my posts give them that strength that they feel they don't have. I think this is actually the goal of all of my posts.
0: (laughs) You're doing a good job. Keep it up.
1: Thank
0: you so much. <laughs> I want to ask you, Stefano, what made you decide to move from Cluj Romania to Breda, Netherlands? What was the idea behind that? It's a
1: really funny story because it's not necessarily my story. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to leave Romania. It has never crossed my mind that I will uh, leave uh, my home country, my family, my friends. But there's this urge in humans to grow, to go beyond the limits. Both me and my partner felt that for quite a while. He expressed this need for growth and for going beyond our own limitations. When the occasion arrived and we were given the opportunity to come here, he said yes after uh, a while. <laughs> I said yes as well, and my new life started. So that happened three years ago already.
0: So it took some convincing for you to go. What did he have to say to you?
1: Basically, he came here and I continued to stay in Romania for one more month. Then he said, just give it a try. You have to get out of your comfort zone in order to explore new potential. One thing that I really hate is wasted potential. So I said, "Okay, let's see what else I can do with my life
0: all right you're doing a good job so far three <laughs> years and they just keep on rising
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> hopefully
0: yes yeah are doing great but most people think of okay i moved this is the end of the stress but it's more of a commencement it's the end but it's also the beginning of a whole lot of adventuring and craziness
1: <laughs> <laughs> new level of stress Mm -hmm. One type of stress I haven't experienced back home.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's very different. So what was your hardest struggle maybe during your first year, besides the language, of course?
1: When I first arrived here, Gabi, I was so anxious and afraid of everything that I didn't even go to the supermarket by my own. I was always waiting for my partner to go together because... I just felt so small. I, I don't know. I just felt that I was taken from my comfort zone and put like this in another level of uh, this really sick game that I wasn't understanding. Back in Romania, I had two jobs. I had an amazing career and I came here with no job. So during uh, five months, I was actually looking for a job daily, applying to tons and tons of jobs, marketing-related jobs, of course, because I knew my potential, I knew what I'm good at. But then after I kept getting the no's, (laughs) the daily no's, (laughs) I called them, I started to apply to everything, just to... To have a purpose during the day to feel that I'm not wasting time and I'm not wasting my uh, abilities and one day I I still remember I will never forget that day the previous day I applied to a job that it felt like it was made for me and for uh, my knowledge When they sent me their email that they really like my background, my experience, my portfolio, etc. But because I do not speak the language, they cannot move on with the application. I just fell down. We were on the street. We were having coffee to go. Just fell and started crying because I, I lost all hope. But then I didn't give up. So I looked everywhere. I was looking for opportunities everywhere. I started changing strategies and I met some amazing people. After a while, I found a a job that had me for one year and nine months. It was an uplifting experience. I learned a lot. Now I'm already at my second job in the Netherlands. I can tell you and everyone who is living as an expat, the second job is easier to land than the first one. The first one is the most difficult. <laughs> yeah, so that was it. Yeah, it, uh, it was really difficult. I know for a fact that my story is not unique. All expats are going through this in a way or another. And that's what motivated me to write about this experience.
0: Yay, you didn't give up. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> that really goes with a quote that you had on your LinkedIn profile. It wasn't even from a famous person. It was from you. I was like, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you said, the paths are not always covered in fresh grass. Sometimes it feels like I need to walk barefoot on stones. Even so, stopping was never a choice.
1: Yeah. So, Yeah, and I have goosebumps, (laughs) even though I know I said that, but it's a motto that I'm following, because I think one of the hardest things in life is to lose yourself, to have no idea who you are anymore, and be a chameleon. When you live in a different country, in a foreign country, you have to be a little bit of a chameleon. You have to understand the culture. You have to empathize with the people in that country. But most of all, and that's something I didn't do, you have to be patient with yourself. Out of self-love, Come so many great things, but it's a hard process.
0: Yeah, I'm still going through that too. You have this feeling of, I don't fit in here, but you're like, I don't fit in here. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) You can teach them a thing or two about where you are from.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you just have to open your heart more, but also don't be afraid to be yourself. My current team at SmartFlow and the team I had before, they encourage this. My current team is very diverse, everyone has their own cultural background and it feels really good to feel that you belong. I think it's important. I think this is maybe another big challenge that experts deal with, the fact that they feel they do not belong to a tribe, to a group. You don't need to wait for others to empathize with you or to try to walk in your shoes to put yourself in their shoes. Just put yourself for a minute in their shoes. Be patient with you. Be patient with them. Amazing will come out of that. Amazing.
0: (laughs) That's truth. We can see it in your example.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And uh, to link a little bit, I've become... Came became a way better marketer after I learned active listening and empathy, because as I was telling you before going live, uh, people are not born with empathy. Empathy needs to be learned like any other skill. Once I learned that rule one is <laughs> be self empathetic in order to be able to empathize with others. And rule number two, listen, active listen to everything, to people around you. Try to talk less. That was, and that still is very difficult for me. But as marketers, if we talk less, listen more and actually pay attention to what is said to us orally and with gestures, we can figure it out. And we can figure out patterns. Communication patterns in marketing are maybe the secret sauce. Once you found that rhythm, it's way easier to create anything. I've always worked as a marketer since I was at university. But I think I'm a better marketer since I'm an expat. Because of these traits that I've managed to sharpen a little bit. Whenever I speak with other marketers and they tell me that they're having troubles getting their uh, thoughts straight, writing content. I tell them that your audience is telling you what to write about even when they are not telling you. And they're like, what does that mean? just... Find 15 professionals from your niche audience, spend a little time on their LinkedIn profile, engage with them for a day or two, and research those interests a little bit more in-depth and you will get it. But again, it goes back to patience. In marketing, it's all about testing, but in order to have a good result, you have to be patient and Trust the process. This is exactly how I would uh, describe these three years as an expert. Trust the process. Be more self-empathetic and do not let others tell you who you are and how to be. Because I did. For two years, I lived through somebody else's uh, perception of me. And that hurt, that affected my potential. But once I snapped out of that and I remembered who I am, once I remembered that there's nothing worse than wasted potential, everything changed.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. When you're having a situation like that, there's usually a turning point. For me, it was starting this podcast almost a year ago where I have full control and I can mm-hmm. ask who I want to be here. Ignore who I don't want and ask the questions that I need to know. For you, it seems like that transition was when you started your blog about your cats, gin and tonic. So tell us about that. That sounds like fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Back home in Romania, I was very active in volunteering with different NGOs for animal welfare. In Romania, I mostly worked as a content creator. So I wrote a lot. I was a storyteller. I was a ghostwriter. My whole career was around writing. But when I came in the Netherlands, because English is not my first language, and I didn't practice as much writing in English, I somehow lost this. Then there were challenges after challenges and I lost the writer in me. I just lost it and uh, it didn't feel right but at the same time I was so deep in that darkness that I allowed to be in my life I couldn't get out at all so last year (laughs) When the pandemic started, I was quite alone all the time. And one month prior to the pandemic, I adopted Gin & Tonic. I did a lot of behavior analyzing and I started understanding their personality. It was very um, much like analyzing those LinkedIn profiles I was telling you about. (laughs) And I said, okay, let's try to write something, a story, a short story. I wrote it, but it was me who was telling the story and it just felt, no, no, something is not right. So I waited for a day and next day I was like, let's try again. And then I started writing. So each story is either narrated by Jean or by Tonic. And I did it again and again every day because practice and consistency are, again, two very strong pillars in marketing, storytelling, writing in general. It started to gain track and uh, people were reading. At one point, I reached 800 readers on a story without any ads or anything, just keywords, and uh, a lot of Instagram and Facebook. It saved me because it showed me that the writer was always there. I just muted her, and I muted her for the wrong reasons. I muted her because other people told me I am not good enough, and I allowed that to control me. Once I said, enough is enough, I know I can do it, I only need practice and a nurturing context, it all changed. Even better is that my next job, the one that I have now at SmartFlow, is Around creating content. So I uh, write content, professional content in English only for really interesting industries that I've never imagined uh, I will uh, write for. So it saved me. They saved me.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's amazing. You knew exactly what you were looking for. You took your life back.
1: Exactly. It was five stories and I knew that I would never, ever allow the writer in me and the creator in me to go away. I think this is uh, something that many expats deal with. That's why I try to be so empathetic with them. That's why I always uh, try to reply and be there because it was so difficult for me. It was one of the most challenging parts of my life to lose myself like that something that i was known for in my country something that i was wanted for in my country and something that i really liked telling people i do taken away from me like this and not necessarily taken away but I allowed it to go away. I allowed it to sleep away like that. All I needed was exercise and a little bit of confidence to nurture more confidence and to nurture more uh, self-love and more creativity.
0: Yeah, it's really good. They said the catchphrase for 2020 was, You're on mute. 2021 is, Don't mute yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is beautiful. Absolutely. Never mute yourself. If you truly have something good to say, or if you really believe in that and you think it's good, just say it and practice never stop practicing be consistent deliver unfortunately i know so many marketers that stay in a loop of just maybe i can do it better maybe i can do it better and then they never deliver if it's not online it it doesn't exist even if you tell me that you created so many things If I don't see them, if people are not being impacted by them, they do not exist. Create and deliver.
0: Yeah, Stevie Wonder, signed, sealed, and delivered. Don't forget the delivery (laughs) part. (laughs) That's so cute, yes.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Well, Stefana, don't go away. We're gonna take a short break and after that, I'm gonna ask you a little bit more about English and how, Other immigrants react when new expats move in. So stay right there. Yep. Most of our audience are expats. And I know for me, the most frustrating thing was moving my finances to a whole different country. Even though I still have bills back home, it was so hard to get money from euro to dollars and back again. But WISE fixes that problem. They allow you to have a multi-currency account. So you can get paid in your currency, whether that's euros or over a hundred other different currencies, and pay for things either with your debit card or bank account information for particular countries. This is really helpful because most banks and Western Union have fees that are huge. So you're just trying to pay one little bill or send some money home and a big portion of that goes to fees to the bank. Why should you do that? Try WISE and see if you can fix that problem. The link is down here below and we'll also put it in the show notes for the audio listeners. But go ahead and try out WISE as a resource recommended by Clever Hybrids. Now back to Stefana and her English journey.
1: So Um, English journey, ooh.
0: Yeah, it it sounds fancier than it is. So you mentioned before you moved to the Netherlands that you already knew English, but you didn't practice it as much. So what would you say was your level? When did you learn it in Romania? And then how have you grown since then? So I've been speaking
1: and practicing English since I was at kindergarten and through school, high school, I studied English uh, at university. I didn't have any problems with it. But as many experts could probably confirm, I didn't use it on a daily basis because there was no context for that. The only times we were using English was at university, of course, during courses. And if there were some students that came from another country or we met some uh, internationals uh, when we went out. But when I moved here, Everything switched to English. I know for a fact that probably every expat experiences this. In your mind, the words are so well structured and the sentence just feels perfect. But when you want to say it out loud, it comes completely different. That happened to me uh, a lot. I see here that Alberto is asking, what do you recommend to speak uh, fluently? So what helped me was to read everything in English. So all the books that I've ordered were in English. And I read at least one book per week to make sure that I get the vocabulary and I know more and more words. The second thing I did was I watched TED Talks and I actually still watch at least one per day. I try to listen TED Talks f- from people that are from different parts of the world to listen to their accent and to get used to their accent as well, so I can understand different accents, so I can be more comfortable with my own accent. Also, back in the days, I used to just read stories out loud in English so I can hear myself, and I recorded as I was uh, telling the stories. The fourth thing, and (laughs) maybe the most difficult is to go out there and use it without uh, fear and without shame that you might say some words wrong. Because the truth is, probably we will never speak it 100% accurately. But the more we speak it and the more we have courage to put ourselves out there with everything, speaking a new language, writing, creating great campaigns, the better we will become. Practice is the uh, mother of everything. I did go to many international um, parties and network events. As I was speaking in English, being comfortable with one another's errors, tiny mistakes or that thing, "Hmm, how do you say it? It just felt a little bit more natural and I started feeling more comfortable. Then I realized I am using another language that is not mine to communicate. And that was amazing because I did something that not so many people do through their lives. When I realized how amazing it is that I do this, and I get to speak with people all around the world. It just felt as a, like a gift and not as a burden anymore. <laughs> That's the story.
0: <laughs> That's a great point. Thank you for the question, Alberto. That was a good one. Yeah, I read a quote right before this. It says, if someone is speaking to you with an accent, they're smart enough to speak more than one language. That's one thing. And they're also brave enough to use it for their job. Show some respect, people.
1: Exactly. And I was told, I was told many times, your professional English is not good enough. And it hurt. And I cried. I actually went home and cried a lot. And I felt that I will never uh, be able to grow as a professional. But again, it was their perception of me. And it was my responsibility to tell them thank you and move on and continue to be great and work towards more greatness. But at that time, I didn't do it. But once I did it, welcome greatness
0: (laughs) yeah you kept on walking on rocks good for you stefana yes 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 (laughs) now this is might be a bit of a touchy subject for some people but i've know that it's happened with me and other people as well when you move somewhere there are always going to be some people like oh these foreigners and some of them might be natives but then the ones that really hurt personally, are those who are from your home country. Maybe they've been there longer than you and they really don't feel like helping you because they have a scarcity mindset like, this is mine, you can't have any of it. How do you deal with those people?
1: I didn't deal well at the beginning. (laughs) I suffered a lot. I actually got a little bit sick because of all the stress and all the pain. It was not fair that I allowed that to control my whole existence. It's always difficult for any foreigner, but Eastern Europeans are always seen a little bit uh, shady. I got my uh, dose of marginalization, let's put it like that. But uh, as you were saying the most difficult part was when it came from people from my own country. When I felt that jealousy, that toxic competition, that I need to be better than you, I need to earn more money than you, I just have to be in any way better than you. It hurt because all I wanted was to make friends. And of course, I wanted to make friends, people from my country, because it it would have been easier. And in my mind, it was like, we're sisters or we're like brothers. I don't know. It just felt like that for me. So it hurt a lot and it left scars. And I'm definitely a little bit more careful now with who I befriend and who I allow in my life. As for the nasty marginalization that comes when you move to another country, it's normal. It's part of the process. It's part of what you have to deal with. But people act out of lack of knowledge. When somebody doesn't understand something, they will be reluctant and they will tend to be mean because they have their own cope mechanism. So when you are able to understand that some of people's reactions come from this lack of understanding, fear even, and sometimes lack of self-love, which is probably the biggest part, you learn how to be more caring more understanding, more calm, and caring less of others' opinions, or not caring at all, I'm working on that every day, will help you focus only on your own potential, and not theirs. We just have to be patient and we have to be understanding with everyone. They might not know how to love themselves, so of course they
0: will not be able to love you. Yes, that's a good point. You have to realize that it's not about you. They have their own problem.
1: It feels like it's about you. It feels like it's personal, but it's not. It's just these people don't know how to love themselves, so how can they love you?
0: Yes, <laughs> good point. Switching gears here a little bit, this totally surprised me because your current job on Smartful, you got it through LinkedIn. Yeah. So most people, they're using LinkedIn for work and they apply, nothing happens. So what did you do different?
1: <laughs> Just applied. <laughs> The job description was in Dutch but I translated it and it just felt oh my god I could totally do this. I applied to the job and I got a LinkedIn message from one of my uh, colleagues. He asked me if I want to set up a call, an interview and we set it up normally. The first discussion just felt so natural. It didn't feel like an interview at all. Then I moved on to the next step and then I had the job it's been a year already again it's what I was telling you about being consistent I just followed the pattern I continued applying I continued posting I had an SEO series back then every day I posted something about SEO search engine optimization LinkedIn's algorithm recognized my content and it pushed me as a top candidate every time I applied to something. The algorithm saw that I'm active, that I share value, that I have a very updated profile. Everything was linked. I used keywords everywhere, description and all my previous jobs. The fact that the LinkedIn algorithm itself recognized me as a top Candidate, it I, I have a few posts about that and I try to tell this to all expats whenever they ask me. It might feel that you're posting for no one, but you're actually posting for a very big important thing that it's about to come because indexing content takes a lot of time even on social media. I still get likes for example for posts that I've shared years ago because it might be that only now that particular keyword that I used got indexed or got a little bit more track and now the algorithm pushes the content I had back then in front because now it's relevant. Back then it might have not been. That's why it's important even when we post on our blogs or on our website to keep updating the content. A page is not ready just because we posted it. A page should be updated every three months to tell the algorithm, hey, we are alive, my page is updated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When you make an update, what kind of changes would you make? So first
1: of all, you should edit the first paragraph of the blog post try to see if there are any changes in the way your keyword is now relevant because maybe six months ago you used the keyword cat for example but now the main keyword should be ginger because most of the people search for ginger cats now and not only for cats So, adjust this kind of things. Definitely, you need to adjust, edit a little bit your headings H1, H2, H3. Those are very important when you do these SEO changes. Adjust those. Move the hyperlinks. If your hyperlink is in the middle of the content, move it uh, at the beginning of the content. Make sure that the hyperlink still works. Add an extra hyperlink. That's internal link to another page on your website. You should always add another link to a different page on your website. And of course, change the call to action. If the call to action was, get in touch with us six months ago, now change it to read this blog as well, or call us at this number, follow us on social media. These slight changes, they don't have to be big changes. You just have to tweak it a little bit so the algorithm knows that you're still active and that the page is still relevant.
0: Mm -hmm. Be like, I'm still alive! Yeah, I'm here! (laughs) Hey, I'm alive! Now, is that process the same as what people call A-B testing or is that something else?
1: It is something else. So, for example, you want to A-B test a, a piece of article First of all, you will test two different titles to see which one performs better on social media, email, funneling, etc. You might also want to test two different keywords, short word and a long tail keyword, to see which one brings more organic traffic. You want to test your call to actions, always. One has a long-term impact on your business, and one is focused on keeping the reader engaged on your website. The one with uh, impact is get in touch, schedule a demo. The other one is read this article, watch this video. First one is focused on you, and the second is focused on the reader. So you want to see which one gets them triggered. What I do in my email marketing funneling is I test two to three subject lines, always. The pre-header text in the email, uh, again, is different on uh, each test. That little piece of text that you see whenever an email lands, that's super important. I test the buttons. In one of the emails, the button has a color, in one of the emails has another color, and in the third email, for example, is positioned at the end or, and not at the beginning. Things like that. Then I also switch the blocks between emails. In the first email, I start with uh, a very important announcement, but in the second email, I start with a resource. And in the third email, I start with something else. Again, which one gets more track? So it's these little tweaks, but they are very important in helping you understand how the brain of your audience is wired, what gets them triggered. So after you did this test for three to six months, depends, you can follow the pattern because marketing is a lot,
0: Of patterning actually (laughs) yeah and it takes some time to establish that pattern that's a good point yeah it takes some time and uh,
1: a struggle that many marketers deal with it is that they might have colleagues or (laughs) management that does not understand marketing or they are being put in a box they are being told what to do and marketers do not like being told what to do that's why God gave us this creative head to use it and it's very challenging but fortunately I am not one of those cases I am actually empowered like queens are empowered I am very blessed I think that's why I managed to grow so fast and regain my confidence because I am motivated and nurtured to achieve this
0: greatness yeah, nobody needs a backseat driver manager. Be like, turn right, turn left. Are we there yet? Yes. <laughs> <you're> like, ah!
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I know what I'm doing. That's why
0: you hired me, right?
1: Exactly.
0: No micromanaging with email marketing. I've been seeing a lot of different advice about it. Some people are like, don't do it at all. And I'm like, "Mm." and then other people are saying daily, weekly, monthly. What is the frequency that you recommend?
1: So email marketing is uh, still probably one of the best ways in which you can communicate with your audience in a non-intrusive way. Because, again, when you do A-B testing and when you are patient to understand your audience, you will manage to deliver content that they actually enjoy reading. When you enjoy something, you don't feel spammed by it. In B2B, it's a little bit different than in B2C. In B2B, you should go for weekly or bi-weekly email marketing and personalize automations based actions your audience does with the emails that's what I do I use a tool that helps me create funnels based on uh, whatever action they did on the previous email a B testing also helps me understand if a top is of more interest than another I will try not to push it too hard but give them a little bit more of the same thing it's Really easy. If you give value, you will not be perceived as intrusive and as a spammer. If you just randomly send emails, get in touch, schedule demos, buy this, buy that, you will get no thank you. I don't want you to, get to push your product on my throat. Educate me nurture me tell me something I don't know show me that I have a problem but don't tell me I have a problem show me let me understand and let me learn and come to the conclusion that I have a problem that's extremely important in marketing but it comes with experience marketers like any other professional Reach a level of knowledge and confidence, and okay, I know what to do next. I understand my audience so well. I know when you have a good product, and when you know you have a good solution, and when you know what to do with it, you will not fail, even if it takes a lot of time. You will not fail because if you are persistent in uh, showing the value of and the impact, long-term, short-term, of the solution that you are managing, people around your audience will notice it and will come to the conclusion that they need that because you've educated them. It's that easy. Educate, do not sell.
0: (laughs) I love that. I'm going to write that down somewhere. Stefana, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Welcome to the Clever Hybrids Tribe.
1: <laughs> it was really nice. <laughs> thank you very much. I really liked
0: this. Yeah, we had a great time. And for those of you who are like, where can I get more of Stefana's stuff? Can you tell them how they can get
1: in touch with you? As you put it there, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I am very friendly and I will be there for you if you need my help. So just connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Stefana has been very helpful for other expats who are looking for work to share their posts or CVs with her network so I'm sure that's helped a lot of people. I hope so. Thank you Stefana stay right there don't go away. The Clevered Hybrids Tribe we had a great time as usual and Stefana as she said is on LinkedIn so go ahead and check that out. For those of you that this may be your first time here What is Clever Hybrids besides the podcast? I know we're cool with that, but as a consultancy, we work with people who may not speak English as a first language to help them to improve their skills. Just like Stefana mentioned, with a lot of practice, you can improve your vocabulary, your pronunciation, even your presentation skills, but it helps to have a coach to help you move faster. So for those of you who are either looking for an individual course or something for your enterprise, you can go ahead and check out our website cleverhybrids.com for more info and read our blog there as well. You can even follow our content here on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. All of the hashtags are hashtag cleverhybrids or the accounts at cleverhybrids. As you may have noticed this week, our tagline has changed. So Just as we've been talking about with Stefana and how we've all been seeing during this pandemic, remember that no matter where your journey is taking you, don't feel bad because nothing in life is a straight line anymore. We'll see you next week.